talked about, you know, the violent take it by force. And that means that we're going to have to go against, you know, the flow of this generation, what's happening, that, you know, want to render us passive, silent, and, uh, you know, subdued and we've got to learn to be violent because the Bible says the violent that take it by force and we saw that being violent doesn't mean that you're aggressive in the flesh and that you're loud in the flesh and that you kick and scream in the flesh actually some of the greatest violence you know you can have somebody that walks in total peace and total joy against something and actually, that's the greatest, uh, greatest act of violence against the situation. Yeah. You know, because the situation makes you want to get all frazzled and all, you know, worked up. But just to stay in that attitude of peace and joy against what the devil throws at you is the greatest weapon. It's the greatest act of violence. Because the Bible says that we overcome evil with good. Amen. Hallelujah. So we saw that the violent take it by force. We saw we first have to have a strong conviction. And how do we get that strong conviction? Can somebody tell me? Thomas? By, how do you become fully persuaded? Keep an, that's right. Keep an eye Remember the brazen serpent, you've got to keep what you consider, what you consider is what you're going to become fully persuaded and convinced of. If you consider your symptoms, your situation, that's what you're going to be fully, become fully persuaded of. You know, if you are hit by a sickness and that's what you consider, you're going to be fully persuaded that I'm sick. But if in the midst of that, you look Unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, you look at what he did on the cross for you. You consider the promise of God, the word of God, like Abraham. Amen. He was fully persuaded for he did not consider his own body old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he considered the promise of God. And that's how he became fully persuaded. And those who are, have a strong conviction is those that are going to, you know, stand up on the inside. Then we saw that after being fully persuaded, we've got to learn to be angry at the situation. You know, we cannot be passive. We cannot be neutral. We've got to learn to re fight against and, you know, be angry at the evil, the, the sickness, what the devil does. Amen. Hallelujah. And then number three, we've got a, you know, it, we saw that tenacity. Tenacity, let me look at again what I said at the beginning. Tenacity is a willingness to fight, to defend or obtain for as long as it takes. Tenacity is being willing to stand as long as it takes to get what you need or to defend what you have. Being willing to stand as long as it takes. And you know tenacity, when I think about tenacity, I think about faith. A tenacious faith. If you go with me to um, and Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I'll talk a little bit about faith. 
In Luke 18, we see the example of a woman again who was violent. She took it by force. Amen. Uh, and here Jesus was giving a parable. In Luke 18, verse 1, he said, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And saying, there was a certain city, a judge, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjudged judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night? And uh, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We find here Jesus was showing that that woman got what she needed or she got what belonged to her. Why? Because she was tenacious. She was violent. But here is something interesting because when we talk about, you know, and here you notice the context Jesus was talking about faith because he said, you know, it's not a question if God is going to give it to her because he's going to avenge her or give it to her speedily. But the real question is when the son of man comes back on the earth, will he find faith? That means that Jesus is looking for faith. And you notice, notice in the context, he was talking about that woman and about the faith of that woman. What is it about the faith of that woman that Jesus was talking about? When you look at it, because sometimes people, when they talk about faith, you know, you look in the Bible, you have passage where Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Or sometimes he saw somebody, oh, you of great faith. And automatically when we hear little faith, great faith, we think that he's talking about the quantity of faith. That is, you know, you've got a little bit of faith or you've got big amount of faith, you know. But here I want to show you what Jesus is really talking about and what it is. It's not the quantity of faith. You remember in Matthew 17 verse 20, Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain, command it to be removed, and it will obey, and nothing shall be impossible. Here Jesus is not talking about little faith or big faith. He's, talking, he's not talking about the quantity of your faith, but it's the quality of the faith that is important. Because here Jesus, he said, he said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, and what is it about the mustard seed? We know the quantity, it's small, right? So it's not the, quality, the quantity that is important, but it's the quality of the faith. And he says he like a mustard seed. What is it about the mustard seed that is different from every other seed? I was in Quebec doing TV shows. And uh, one of the lady behind the camera came and I was teaching a whole series on faith. And she got excited and she came to me later and she said, Audrey, she said, I, I have a garden. 
behind my house, I have a garden, and I plant all kind of seeds. She said, one year I planted every, all kind of seeds, but I had to leave out of town because of an emergency. And she said, when I came back, you know, a few weeks later, I went back to my garden, and I looked at everything. She said, I noticed all the seeds were dead except one, the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the only seed that produced fruit or a harvest who grew despite all the problems, the weather, the lack of water, the lack of this, the lack of that. It's the only seed that overcame any kind of outside problem. So here, what are we talking about? Jesus is saying, I, we read in Luke 18, the, 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 the widow with the unjust judge. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes back, is he going to find that kind of seed, that kind of faith? What kind of faith did she have? She had a faith like a mustard seed. And what it is? The mustard seed is a tenacious faith. The mustard seed is a faith that is strong. And I like it. You know, when I travel sometimes, I have to use different translators, people, you know, to translate for me. And I remember I was in Vietnam or in Burma, and my translator, when we're talking about little faith or great faith, he was using different words. He said, Audrey said in the Burmese or in the Vietnamese, it doesn't say little faith, it says weak faith. Or well, it doesn't say great faith, it says strong faith. So I went and looked at it a little more. And uh, as I looked into the Greek, I noticed that little faith is the word oligopistos, oligopistos, and it actually means short-lived or weak. And great faith, it's tosutos pistis, and it means long-lived or strong. In another word, it's a faith, a great faith. It's a tenacious faith. It's a faith that starts and refuses to give up until it gets the result. A strong faith, like a mustard seed. And it's, it's interesting because that look at the widow with the unjust judge. What was her faith? She had a strong faith, a tenacious faith. Why? Because she knew she had a strong conviction. She knew what belonged to her. She knew what belonged to her. And she approached the judge. And here Jesus said, look at it a second. Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And what did he say? I will give I will avenge her or give to her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. When you think of continual coming, what do you think of? You think back and forth, back and forth. And that's why people have come up with the doctrine of you've got to beg, you've got to ask God again and again and again and again until you get it. But when I looked at that word in the Greek, because I knew that notion of asking again and again and again didn't fit with what Jesus taught us about faith or prayer. Because Jesus says, ask and you receive. Knock, it's open. Seek it and you find. So I looked at it and I discovered a continual coming. It's a compounded word in Greek that is eis telos erkomai. And what does it mean? Listen to that. It means to come, to be set, 
until the end. To come, continual coming, it's a coming that continue and never end. In other words, you come, you are set until the end. Here is the picture. The widow, she didn't go and ask again, again, and again, and again. No, she came, she planted herself before his door, and she said, I will not go, I will not quit, I will not stop until I get what belongs to me. In another word, that widow had a tenacious faith. She was willing to fight. She was willing to stand until she'd get what belongs to her. And you see, but the question is, how do you get that kind of faith? Because that's what, you know, the violent take it by force. The violent have a strong conviction. The violent get angry on the inside when, you know, the devil try to steal what belongs to you. But the violent also have to be willing to fight until the end, until the manifestation. Willing to fight and willing to stand until you get what belongs to you. But how do you get that tenacity? How do you get that tenacious faith? Well, it's interesting. You know, I like to say that faith is like a muscle. Let's look, let's go together to um, Luke 17, one chapter before, because here Jesus is actually telling the disciples how to get that kind of faith. So you remember, uh, Jesus had just, he had, um, he had cursed a fig tree. He had done all kind of exercise authority. But Jesus was teaching the disciples about faith. And the d disciples said, Jesus, please increase our faith. You know, they also had that notion that I need big amount of faith to get my miracle. Or I need lots of faith, you know, to get a breakthrough. And they, they asked Jesus, increase our faith. And what did Jesus answer? He said, in my own words, paraphrase, you don't need more faith. But if you have faith as the mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and cast into the sea, no doubt, and nothing shall be impossible. But then after that, he tells them how to get that mustard seed faith or how to get, and we found out that a, ten, that a mustard seed faith, though it's small, it's tenacious. It will not give up when it's attacked. It will not stop when there is roadblock, when there is obstacle, when there is this, when that mustard seed will keep on breaking through and, and growing. And so Jesus answers the question, Luke 17. Verse 5, the disciple asks, Lord, increase of faith. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled, blah, blah, blah. It will obey you. And then in verse 7, it looks like he changed the subject. But he's actually answering the question on how to get a faith like a mustard seed or a faith that is tenacious, that is strong, a strong faith. A great faith. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come and from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something from, for my supper 
and gird yourself and serve me. And when I have eaten and drunk, then afterwards you will eat and drink. It looks like Jesus is changing subject. It's like, wait a second. I've asked you to increase my faith. You said, no, you need a faith like a mustard seed. And then you're talking about a servant. You're changing subject. He wasn't changing subject. He was answering, telling them how to get a tenacious faith. How? Let me give you and uh, 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 explain what I mean. Faith, I like to compare faith to muscles. Not the muscles that you get in the ocean, your muscles. We all have muscles, right? Yeah. And the truth is actually, when we were born, we were all born with the exact X amount of muscles, all of us. We were all born with the exact amount of muscles. You were given X number of muscles, you were given X number the same. But here is the key, why is it, Thomas, stand up. Why is it that Thomas has got big, strong muscles? You eat. <laughs> and why is it Leah? Stand up. Thomas, stand up. <laughs> why is it? Why is it they both were born with the X amount of muscles? The them number. Why is it that Thomas looks like he's got strong muscles and Leah, she's got pretty slim, pretty <laughs> muscles? <laughs> Why is it they were born with the same X number of muscles? Working it out. Working it out. Why is it Thomas probably spent Lots of time at the gym pumping iron. I mean, look at Mr. Universe or Mr. Bodybuilder. Right. You know, why is the difference between Mr. Bodybuilder and me? Mr. Bodybuilder has spent hours and hours and hours lifting, lifting weight, pumping iron, and me, I haven't. Amen? <laughs> now here, what would you think if I went to Thomas and said, Thomas, would you please lay hands on me so I can have your muscles? <laughs> he would laugh at me and said, Audrey, just go to the gym right. yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now what would happen if then, must, I won't say Thomas, but I say Mr. Bodybuilder has a car accident all of a sudden he's at the hospital for six months. He cannot move, he cannot do anything. What would happen to his muscles? They would atrophy, they would shrink, they would lose it. It's not that he has less muscle, but his muscle become weak. You see, it's not that Mr. Bodybuilder has more muscle, his muscle get stronger. Are you getting me? Yes. Hallelujah. So why am I saying that? Because with our faith, it's the same thing. We were all, Romans 12, 3, we were all born again with the same measure of faith. We were all given the measure of faith. You see, you were not given, you know, a little 
teardrop or whatever little spoon and then you were given a big bucket and then you were given a truckload. No, we were all given the same measure of faith. Amen. And it's the exact, it's not, because sometimes people see Andrew Ahmad, God's gave him a special faith. He's given him a, you know, a a special faith for his call. No, he's given him the same faith that God gave you. It's actually the faith of Christ. Amen. And that's what Peter says. He said that he he spoke in 1 Peter 1, 3, says to whom who have received like precious faith. Peter, the one who walked in the street and his shadow healed the sick. Peter said, you have received the like precious faith, the same faith, the same measure, the same quality. But what is the problem is what we do with that faith determines whether we have weak faith or strong faith. Faith that gives up quick or a faith that is tenacious. Hallelujah. And so this is what Jesus was teaching about. In Luke 17, when the disciple says, increase our faith, Jesus says, no, no, you don't need more faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, then nothing will be impossible. But then he talks about a servant. And he says, how many of you, if you have servants, that comes back from the field, you tell them to sit, to rest, and do nothing. We know the answer. If you pay somebody, it's for them to do something, right? That's what the disciples understood. I mean, Peter was, had a business, had a fishing business. He knew if he has employees, for them to do something. I pay them to do something. And what was it that Jesus was saying? He said, to have a tenacious faith, a strong faith, you're going to have to put it to work. You see, we all have received the measure of faith, the same same faith that Jesus, the same faith that Peter, that Paul, that Andrew Womack, the same faith, but what we do with that faith will determine if we got weak faith or if we get tenacious faith. That's why, you know, the Bible always says, rejoice when you encounter all kinds of trials. Rejoice when you are pressed from every side. We rejoice. Why? Not so that, oh, poor me, why is this happening? No, so that it's an opportunity. Every trial, every need, every obstacle, every problem. What is it? It's an opportunity to exercise our spiritual muscle. And the more you exercise them, The stronger they become, the stronger they become, the more tenacious that faith is. And you'll be like that widow that will not give up until you see the result, until you see the manifestation of your faith. Amen. Amen. We've got to be violent with our faith. Hallelujah. So how do you exercise your faith? We talked about every opportunity, every need, every obstacle is an opportunity to exercise your faith. And how are you going to exercise it? What does Jesus teach us about it? Mm -hmm. Mark 11, 23 and 24. 
and I don't have a lot of because I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for you. But Jesus teacher is teaching us in Mark 11, 23 and 24 how to exercise our faith. Number one, we've got to exercise authority. Jesus says, you know, have the faith of God. And he says, whoever speaks to the mountain and command it to be cast into the sea and not doubt. So we exercise, when we exercise authority, we have to exercise our faith. Because you exercise authority by faith. Do you understand what I mean? When you speak to the mountain, you've got to believe that when you speak to it, it's got to move. And I remember, and I remember how I learned that you exercise your faith when you exercise authority. I remember when I was in India and I was doing a crusade and they brought a woman to me who was demon possessed. She had, a, she had been worshiping the idol, the serpent God. And so she had become like a serpent. Her body was twirling on the ground. Her head was spinning. Her tongue was coming out of her mouth. And there was a hissing coming out of her throat. And when they brought her to me, I just, you know, it's impressive. But I knew I had authority. <laughs> I knew I had authority. So what did I do? I commanded that demon to come out of that woman. And what happened? Nothing. It got worse. So what did I do? I commanded again in Jesus' name. And what happened? Nothing. It got worse. So what happened? I got louder and louder. I got more frustrated. I tried everything. I took her by the, the, the shoulder. I shook her. I put her down. I lifted her. I raised my, my voice. I, I tried everything I could and it wouldn't work until I heard the Holy Spirit say in my spirit, how many times are you going to cast the demon out of that woman? And my answer was, when I see her free. And immediately the Holy Spirit kind of gave me a little spanking. And he says, you are walking by sight and not by faith. You believe she's free because you see it? Say, so you've got to believe she's free because you know it. And at that moment I understood. So I got that woman. I said, look at me in the eyes. Because a demon will not look at you in the eye. So I said, look at me in the eye. And then I say, I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to commend you to come out of that woman in the name of Jesus. My voice was calm, but in my heart, I knew that it was, the, I just knew that I was not going to walk by sight, but by faith. That when I spoke, it was going to happen. But you know the funny thing? After I cast the, the demon out of the woman, what I did, I left her there. I went to the next person because there was a whole line of people wanting prayer. And I pray for the next. And, but the whole time I'm praying for those other people, everything in me is wanting to look and see what's happening. Right. Why? Because we have a tendency to be dominated by what we see and what we feel. But you know, right there I knew that if I went back into what I saw, if I went back into the sense realm, the devil would beat me every time. Yeah. I had to remain in the faith realm, meaning that I would not be moved by what I see. I refused to enter into that realm of what I saw and what I heard and stay in the realm of what I knew. 
my conviction. And you know, the good news is the next day I'm on the stage and I look, and by the end, I kind of forgot about that woman. There were so many people. But the next day I'm on the stage and uh, we're doing praise and worship and that woman is on the front row, totally free, Amen. totally looking like an angel, you know. So faith, you ex you know, you, you, your faith, and you know what happened to my faith? It got stronger. Yes. Because I exercised it. I exercised, and so we, we exercise our faith, number one, by exercising authority. You notice that Jesus didn't say to speak to God about the problem. He said, you speak, you speak to the problem about God. You tell the problem, you exercise authority. Tell it where to go. Amen. And then he says, the second thing about how you exercise faith is by learning to receive. Faith is a receiver. You know here at Charis, Charis meaning grace, that the grace of God is given everything. By the grace of God, everything has been given, but it's through faith you've got to learn to receive. And Jesus says in Luke 18, 7, that we've got to learn like little children. You've got to learn to receive like a little child. Amen. I don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but I've got, I want to make you aware. I have that whole album on faith where I go in depth about all of faith and how you know you have received and how you, you know, walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And that is, um, that's pretty good. Hallelujah. So the violent will take it by force. Number one. What was number one? The violent has a strong conviction. Number two, you learn to be angry at the problem. Number three, you've got to have tenacity. And you look, if you look at all the people in the Bible that received a miracle, they had all of that in common. They had a strong conviction. They knew, if I can only touch him, yes. I will, not I might, or I'll try, I will. That's conviction. A conviction that pushed them to go and dig a, a hole in the roof or go beyond their physical strength or go come against culture or even against the law or even to scream louder when people are telling them to, to be quiet. You know, they, they had that... They had that conviction, and then they had that anger where they're like, uh-uh. Somewhere down the line, they got angry at their condition. That woman with the issue of blood, she could have said, well, I guess the doctor said they can't help me. I'm going to have to learn to live with it. But she got fed up with it. She got angry with it. She said, enough is enough. Amen. Hallelujah. And they all had that tenacious faith. Well, the moment they knew they were going to get it, and they refused to give up until they got it. I mean, and they had one obstacle after another obstacle after another obstacle, but they refused to give up until they got to the end of it. Amen. And that's violence. Amen. And so you notice violence is not just, you know, by screaming and, and being aggressive, but it's it's a spiritual violence. It's something that happens in your heart on the inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah.